in response to several requests for notes or a recording of the drusha that I delivered on Shabbos in two different places in Shul, uh, I'm offering uh, this recording. Uh, the topic that I'm addressing is para aduma, um, and uh, we start with the premise that uh, we all know and relate to para aduma as a chok, as a uh, mitzvah that doesn't seem to have any rationale to it, meaning that there's an internal logical contradiction because it's metame tahorim and metahir tomeim. It defiles those who are tahor who administer it, and at the same time it brings tahara, brings purity to those to whom it's administered who were tame coming in. So how could the same thing be a source of tuma and be a source of tahara? That's the basic contradiction in the para aduma paradigm, and that's why it's called a chok. So um, I began my exploration of this whole issue with a simple question, and that is that the Gemara in Yuma, Samach Zayin Amabes, actually in reference to another passage which seems to uh, distinguish, distinguish between a mishpat, which is a mitzvah that has, that, that has a rationale and makes sense and we would have thought of ourselves, and a chok, which are mitzvahs that don't uh, have a rationale. And the Gemara lists certain laws like murder or adultery or theft as mishpatim, and the Gemara lists things like don't eat pork or don't combine wool and linen or um, the mitzvah of chalitza that the elaborate marriage in Yibun that the that the brother-in-law has to free the Yavama with by take by the with the whole process of taking off the shoe uh, and the Seir uh, Lazazel, uh, the scapegoat on Yom Kippur, which which really defies logic because if you're not giving the carbon Lashem, who are you giving the carbon to? And of course, we know we're not giving it to anybody else or any other power. So that's those are chok. So the obvious question is, why doesn't the Gemara list para aduma? And to that, I uh, answered, not really an answer, but therefore I was forced to conclude that para aduma is in a category all its own meaning that there are laws for which we don't have a reason, and then there are laws that are actually specifically given for the purpose of being a chok. Meaning, very often God will tell us a mitzvah, like shatnas, don't combine wool and linen. Then we say, why not? And um, we say to ourselves, in observing the laws of the Torah, we say, well, there's no reason given, and we observe it anyway, even though it's a chok, we're not sure why, Perhaps we try to hypothesize and give a reason, but there's no obvious or given reason in the Torah. It's a chok. It's a mitzvah that has no perceptible reason, and we follow it anyway. Paraduma is in a category all itself, which is when it's given to us, HaKadosh Baruch Hu says straight out, I'm going to give you a chok. I'm going to give you something that defies logic. And here it goes. So it's introduced as... First and foremost, that which you will not understand. And that's why uh, the Medrash quotes Shlomo HaMelech, the uh, wisest of all men, who says in Mishlei, Amarti Achkama, I thought that I would uh, be wise enough to understand everything, but he, many, and she, it, uh, the feminine it, is distant from me. The mitzvah of Paraduma is beyond my capacity to understand specifically talks about that because 
it is designed to be beyond human capacity to understand. Which means that Kodesh Baruch Hu says, when it comes to the issue of death, and when it comes to the issue of becoming pure, or becoming impure, I'm going to give you a rule that is a chok. Now here it goes. So it's labeled as a chok, as opposed to just defying understanding. It's given as a chok package, where Kodesh Baruch Hu says, I want to make sure that you understand. I know this is a chok, and that's what I'm giving you. Here comes a chok, as opposed to a mitzvah, which is just given, and it happens to be that we don't understand it, or the reason for it. So now I ask the following question. The uh, Medrash says, and Rashi quotes this, that the para aduma is an atonement for the golden calf, for the egel hazav. And the Medrash uses a parable. This is comparable to a king who sees that the, do- the son of a uh, servant, of a maidservant in the palace, has defecated on the floor. So the, um, the king says to the maidservant, come and clean up the mess that your son has made. So, says the Medrash, that's what the red heifer is all about. The red heifer is a cow, a mature cow, and the Egelazov was a calf. So the mother cow comes and atones for the child's mess, the spiritual mess of the golden calf. So there are two questions here. Number one, the idea that para aduma is atonement itself is quite surprising because it's not a sin offering. It doesn't come for a sin. It's not offered. It's not performed. It's not created in response to an Avera. There's nothing wrong, by the way, with becoming defiled. Everybody must, at some point or another in their lives, become defiled from uh, contact with the dead because we have to take care of the dead. But when one is defiled, the way to achieve purity so that one can interact with the Beis HaMikdash and with Kachim, with Karbanos, is to go through the administration of the red heifer potion uh, on day three and day seven and one's contamination, etc. So uh, that's not a, a sin offering. It's not an atonement for anything. So why do we call it a kapara? That's question number one. Question number two, what does the parable advance? In what way do we gain anything from the parable? Why can't the sages simply say, the para aduma, the mother cow, is an atonement for the egel azav, a calf, that's all. Don't even have to use the, the parable of mother and, and daughter. Just tell me, it's an atonement. It's, it's a, a cow for a cow. This mitzvah with a, with a cow atones for the avera of the golden calf. So I pointed out that the word kapara has a very significant and distinct mean, meaning. In English, it's just, it, it means atonement. But if you look at the first time the term is used in the Torah, Rashi actually makes a comment which is very telling and revealing. Rashi in Parshas Vayishlach, where Yaakov is sending gifts to Esav to appease him, so he says, Amarti achak prapanav, I, Yaakov, said or thought in my mind that I will try to find favor in your eyes. I will, uh, I will try to appease you. So Rashi says, that any time the word kapara is used, it means cleansing or wiping away. Now, what that means is that atonement, the idea of atoning for a sin, is that the sin isn't really engraved or enmeshed or part of the sinner. The sin is on the surface. And that's where the parable uh, uh, that the uh, 
Medrash uses comes in handy. The parable is about this mess on the floor. And there the mother is supposed to come and wipe it away. Wipe it away means the floor is fine. On top of the floor, there's a problem. The golden calf was a problem because uh, the golden calf created the optical illusion that B'nai Yisrael were defective. They re, the, the golden calf returned us to a state of human affairs, which is very similar to uh, the defective state after 